0: This is Cortland Sutton, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Folks, Welcome back for the Week 5 edition of the RosterWatch.com Tradecast. My name is Byron Lambert, and we have a lot of ground to cover this week, so I'm just going to go for it. I may move along here a little faster than usual, but don't worry. We have a lot of players to talk about. Uh, First things first, uh, we have the Thursday night game with the Bears and the Commanders here in Week 5. That always makes it a little bit tricky to... Uh, do any trade deals with players involved in that Thursday night game. It's just a little bit of a short turnaround time. So just keep that in mind. And then, of course, we also want to start looking at the bye weeks at this point because this is when uh, bye weeks begin in principle for the NFL. And bye weeks certainly can have an impact on the fantasy football trade market. So we have the Cleveland Browns, the Los Angeles Chargers, The Seattle Seahawks and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be on hiatus in week five of the NFL season. All right, let's just jump right in here to the buy side of the week five fantasy football trade market. I think we'll kind of do like we did last episode. Let's just begin with our top five trade targets on the buy side of the fantasy football trade market. First, we'll begin with wide receiver, stud young wide receiver, Chris Olave of the New Orleans Saints, a player we love. He's also just flat out been awesome this season. If you go look at his profile, he has an incredible fantasy schedule the rest of the season. After a super fast start out of the gate through the first three weeks, it was a horrendous week for Week 4 for Chris Olave. So I think people are a little bit down on the Saints right now. They're certainly down on Derek Carr right now. So I'd highly recommend that you make a strong move for Chris Olave on the trade market in your fantasy football league this week. As it may be your only chance. Chris Olave does not have a buy until Week 11 of the season. So go get him now and rack up wins. For the foreseeable future. Next up, in terms of our prominent targets on the buy side of the Week 5 Fantasy Football trade market, another wide receiver, another young stud wide receiver, Jalen Waddle of the Miami Dolphins. Certainly not the target hog that Chris Olave is, but of course in a much more dynamic offense with plenty of production to go around, Jalen Waddle. Only experiencing five to six targets per game so far on the season. Probably has his owners a little bit nervous at this point. No breakout games to date in the season. Uh, he's already missed a game with a concussion. Week 1 and 2 were decent for fantasy for Jalen Waddle, but nothing to write home about. And week 4 certainly was not. So I'd say with all the hype on Tyreek Hill and the Dolphins running backs at the moment, I take a long, hard look at Jalen Waddell this week. As a matter of fact, I would pursue him aggressively on the fantasy football trade market. Next up on the buy side of things here in Week 5, Aaron Jones, Green Bay Packers. I think Aaron Jones is towards the later phases of his The prime of his fantasy career. So not a guy that we're super all in on as we look ahead. But I think for this season in redraft, Aaron Jones still went healthy. Looks like a good player. We love what we're seeing out of Jordan Love. Packers are a fun team. That division's kind of wide open. A.J. Dillon absolutely sucks. That guy has no dynamism. He just, you know, really, as you scout these players in the NFL, I mean, he does have elite size, but that's not enough. You have to have some elite athletic traits. And for those that don't, you have to at least be above average across the board. You have to be very, very well-rounded and significantly above, above average across the board if you lack elite athletic traits to really be successful in the NFL uh, including the running back position and we've just seen AJ Dillon simply does not have the juice for that position so what I'm saying is Aaron Jones he was out in week two and three who was pitiful pitiful in week four expectations were already low heading into this season we like Jordan Love it's a good matchup with Las Vegas this week it is a week six bye then thereafter for Aaron Jones so there may actually be a window here to pursue Aaron Jones on the fantasy football trade market over the course of the next few weeks, but I would certainly say right now is just about as ripe as any, and there's a plenty of opportunity for him to be far and away the best player out of the backfield for the Packers and really be the lead, one of the lead horses in what looks like a Pretty exciting young offense. So I think Aaron Jones, if you can get a deal on him, would be a really interesting player to add. Imagine if Aaron Jones was in your flex. In a competitive league, that would be dynamite down the stretch. I try not to recycle... I try not to recycle too many uh, picks from previous weeks here because we want to talk about new players. There's plenty of good players, but... Some of these guys persist, and some of them are top shelf. So uh, we have to talk about the Cowboys. Last week we talked about CeeDee Lamb. Look, the thing with CeeDee Lamb is that it already had been underwhelming on the season, and then we knew he was facing the Patriots, and we know that Belichick likes to take really your best player or players away, so... Clearly, that's either going to be Pollard or CeeDee Lamb from a game plan perspective as it relates to the way New England was likely to scheme things up. But also, New England has just the absolute young stud defensive back Christian Gonzalez, who, if you guys haven't watched him play, this kid really looks, looks incredible for the Patriots. So we kind of predicted last week there would be a buy window on CeeDee Lamb, similar to what we just said about Aaron Jones. Like, he was already a buy low last week, and then we thought more than likely he'd be possibly even a buy even lower heading into Week 5 after the matchup there uh, with the Patriots. Uh, I guess in CeeDee Lamb's favor, Christian Gonzalez actually got injured during the game. He sustained an injury that looks like he's going to keep him out for the foreseeable future. Tough loss there for the Patriots. And their defense. So in the end, Lamb was able to slip a touchdown in. So didn't really work out exactly how we'd love because it looks – on the surface, it looks like he had a 12.8-pointer. And all of a sudden, you look at his game log, and it doesn't blow you away. But you're like, all right, like he's been pretty serviceable, and he's at least had one or two like pretty good games. But fact is that without the touchdown last week, it was a pitiful performance. It was 36 yards on only four receptions on six targets – And if you look at it, three out of four games on the season, CeeDee Lamb is four receptions. I'm just curious now. I mean, I would imagine he's got to be a high snap count guy, but let's just take a look here on the snap counts, such as a targets tool over at rosterwatch.com. CeeDee Lamb, this is surprising. 63. I guess it was a blowout against the Patriots. 63% snap count in week four. That's obviously surprisingly low. Uh, Let's see. CeeDee Lamb, 83% in week three. And 72% in week two. So, I mean, clearly the leader of the wide receiver group. Not not one of these, like, 95% snap count guys, though. Has the 49ers up this week, which is not going to be any walk in the park. That's for sure. They don't look terribly tough on the matchup tool at rosterwatch.com. But 49ers defense, obviously no joke. Um and it really is kind of a mixed bag as you project the matchups on the rest of the season for CeeDee Lamb. You know, obviously the other concern, like we said here, is the target volume and, and just the general state of that offense and that passing offense. So you know, maybe it's not a lock with CeeDee Lamb, but I just think that, you know, if if logic prevails here, you just start putting two and two together and it's like, man, CeeDee Lamb is he's a guy you gotta take your chances on. He really has the opportunity to heat up as the season goes on. So, kind of depending on what his owner thinks in your league about him, you know, I, I'm they can't be over the moon. Right? He's not an untouchable. So, I think CeeDee Lamb is a guy that you still uh, poke around, poke around if you can, on the buy side of things in your fantasy uh, football league because it is a, overall it's a decent schedule, the, rest of the Way. But then say right there with the Cowboys, I think the new. Uh, the new guy that's popped up on the Cowboys side of things is all of a sudden, I mean, you're not going to get a deal on him, but Tony Pollard may be available. And heading into the season, like, my favorite guys were basically Pollard, Bijan, and Nick Chubb. So Pollard's been good, but I clearly think he has plenty of room to break out. In a big, big way. I mean, they got nothing else to offer out of the backfield. They really should be a pretty good offense. I mean, it's, you know, plenty of work there uh, for Tony Pollard. Let's take a look here at the touchdown dependency tool over at rosterwatch.com. Let's see. Tony Pollard. Oh, my goodness. This is why we want to trade for Tony Pollard. 22 touches per game. We want a 22 touch per game, Tony Pollard. It's only a matter of time before it's an absolute epic monster. 4.3 yards per attempt, 4.25 targets per game. That's what we're liking. So CD Lamb's nice, but I think what's emerged in Week Five, as we're targeting the Cowboys, is I think Pollard is our prime target. Let's go. Obviously, he has the same difficult matchup this week against. San Francisco, primetime, big primetime game, Cowboys 49ers. What a throwback this is. Both teams really trying to get in the driver's seat here for uh, the conference here early in the season. Tony Pollard, 49ers this week, the Chargers next week, which is a great matchup, uh, and then a bye week. So Pollard coming off seven-and-a-half-point game in week four, his worst game of the season. Uh, Only about 14 touches. And I think the reason this has maybe a tiny little bit more of an opportunity to be real is that Weeks 2 and 3 were good, but they weren't just like, wow, you weeks out of Pollard. So really, Week 1 was really promising. And a lot of that was the fact he got in the end zone twice. Aside from that, you weren't really blown away in Week 1. So his owners, I'm sure, have been watching him very, very closely. And I bet if you can get to their to their souls and see what's inside their souls, I think Tony Pollard owners would tell you that they have a few question marks at this point of the season, which in turn tells me he's a guy that we can go after on our fantasy football trade markets. Uh, Last but not least, as far as our top five transactions of the week on the fantasy football trade market in week five on the buy side of the fantasy football trade market, again, this is a little bit of a throwback to last week, a little bit of a blend here between Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler, all guys that were either, were basically out injury related over the last few weeks. And as we've told you over the years, that creates a purchasing opportunity on the trade market for Premier players that otherwise just simply they would hardly ever be available. You know, Eckler we've got going into a bye week. Um, This will be your absolute last opportunity. Clearly he's going to be healthy when he comes back and he's got a monster. A really good schedule rest of the season. You're not going to get him for cheap, but what you need is you need an Eckler owner who's like one and three in your league and has a tough matchup this week and maybe has some bye week problems. Like That's the dude you need to try to pick off for Austin Eckler in your league this week. Jonathan Taylor, a lot more unknowns with that when they say he might play this week, he might practice this week. I think the Colts look good. I know he wants to get paid, but I would imagine like it's starting to look like a team you'd want to be a part of if you were Jonathan Taylor. And uh, considering how good the other backs have looked there, I mean, Taylor's about 10 times better than any of them are. He's got a real chance to be do something big here, do something special down the stretch in your fantasy league. But it's still not 100% clear exactly what his position is and what his role will be and how he'll be reintegrated over one amount of time here. So and and clearly his managers have been holding him because they're dying to play him eventually. So uh he won't come cheap, but I'd say this is probably your last opportunity to go after a Jonathan Taylor. Trade and certainly he could be rostered by a team with a losing record, which would make them uh, a ripe trade target this week. And then Saquon Barkley, I think his window may have closed. It sounds like he's limited at practice already this week, but if for some reason uh, he was a last minute no go again this week, I mean, that could certainly take the wind out of the sails of a Barkley owner who's already frustrated and may, may need may need to get a win this week. And once again, if you're a winning team with the assets to do it, um, that's who, uh, those are the kind of guys we want to go after. And I mean, imagine it, get a couple of trades like this done over the course of the season, you're going to be rolling a monster squad heading into the playoffs from a position of strength. Uh, We got some other guys here. I guess we'll stick on the buy side here. These are not, these are guys we're just going to jog through. Got a lot of names here. Um, these are all players that I don't think are top buy targets of Week 5, but I think all guys who could be relevant in your league could certainly be in play globally across fantasy leagues and uh, just other names, right? Like, you need more options because every league's different. Which players are available on the market is different, which managers in your league are willing to trade or difference. Like, a lot of difference. So you need some other names. So if I wanted to go beyond kind of this top five trade targets, buy targets on the fantasy football trade market in week five, right here on the rosterwatch.com trade cast, of course, it's Chris Olave, Jalen Waddell, Aaron Jones, the Cowboys, Tony Pollard and CeeDee Lamb, and then the top-shelf fronting backs that uh, are – uh, injury or by ridden that are close to a return in Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor, and Austin Eckler. You want to make a one, you know, a last minute uh, try to last, a last minute swoop in on one of those guys, or at least figure out what's going on with them in your league. So um, you can rest easy tonight. Aside from them, I would certainly think we need to consider Cooper Cup, who you could say fits in that same basket as a Barkley, Taylor, Eckler. But from the wide receiver position, a guy that's been injured is sounds pretty close to returning. Doesn't have a buy until week ten. Has a nice schedule rest of season. I mean, you know, three months ago you would have said you still thought Cooper Cup was one of these guys that could be like fantasy wide receiver one or like a, a highly impactful player. I don't. I would assume that has to still be the case, but you know, he's been. It's unclear whether he's returning this week. It's unclear what his role is going to be when he returns. Puka Nakua is the real deal. I mean, I don't think he is going to usurp Cooper Cup quite yet. Logic would dictate. But, boy, it's hard to imagine that he's not going to still be pretty involved, which has got to. I mean, Cooper Cup was a guy who lived on mega volume in recent years. I mean, a very good player. He scored fantasy points. You know, he, he had good yards per catch. And. He could score touchdowns, but clearly it was part of his allure in recent years was massive, massive target volume. I think you have to be honest with yourself and say, that's probably not likely the case here. So, you know, Cooper Cup again, a year or two ago, would have been a total untouchable on the fantasy football trade market. What I'm saying is I think he could be in play, and there could be feelings in either direction on Cup at this point. I still am inclined to... Take my chances, and if there's a reasonable deal to be had on Cooper Cup from a distressed manager in my league, uh, like uh, like go for it. Go for it. I mean, only one team is going to win all this, right? So, in a 12 team league, you got what, like an 8% chance to win if all things are even? So, like, you got to hit some lightning in a bottle, you got to really go for it here. And, um, you know, go big or go home tends to be our mentality here on the rosterwatch.com tradecast. I certainly think at the wide receiver position if you need more uh trade targets uh, that guys that you're interested in pursuing, you, you got to look at your Cincinnati Bengals. You know, sooner or later that thing will come together. I mean, you guys know I've had the bad calf injury much worse than the one Burrow. Burrow was likely just a grade 1 calf injury because he was back like walking around and even back at practice relatively soon. So that's that's, but that's still it's a nagging injury, and you can see it. I've told you guys how bad that injury is. Get a grade two or grade three, and you could forget about it. I like, it, remember Cream Hunt was never the same uh, from for months after he got his. So there is this thing about like when are we going to see the Bengals' offense running on all cylinders? I think if you combine the rust of Burrow not being there during training camp and then also like this nagging injury situation, this is definitely a work in progress. No guarantee that Higgins and Chase are start going to go start going off this week. Um, and Chase certainly not a guy you could steal. I mean, he's had some decent fantasy performances, but nothing – nothing – That really just blew your hair back. And I still, I don't think it's been strong enough performances that uh, his managers don't have some iota of concern at this point. And then, of course, T. Higgins, like, his managers are completely alarmed at this point. And for me, it's just like, if if you think this is eventually going to come together, uh, Higgins is a guy I'm interested in because I love Joe Burrow. And obviously, Higgins is a nice talent. Nice talent and an end zone, you know, score, touch. There's a lot of stuff to like there from the player perspective. But, you know, I want in on this offense. And so we know Higgins is a nice player. Um, I think if you can get a deal on T Higgins, that's really enticing. And I think you should take a look at it. Debo Samuel in San Francisco. I mean, let's just look at this before I speak here. I think I know what this situation looks like. Because we're going to talk about Brandon Ayuk a little bit later in this podcast, but let's look at let's look here at Debo Samuel. Eighty-seven percent snap count, three touches, zero targets in Week Four. That doesn't really surprise me. In Week Three. And that was the return of Brandon Ayuk week four. Week three was the big week for Debo, no Ayuk. See, this really starts to corroborate the story that I'm going to try to tell here. Let's see, here we had Ayuk and Debo Samuel, same on the field in week two. This must have been where Ayuk got hurt, though. It was an 89% snap count, nine targets for Debo. Go back to week one where they're totally healthy here. That's another domination. Not bad by Debo. I guess what I'm saying is, the so first of all, Brock Purdy looks very good. And this is a good offense. Very exciting team. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey is the absolute gemstone of the franchise right now. And really of fantasy football leagues, as we predicted from camp. Like we told you guys, it's going to be all you can eat for McCaffrey. And he looked as good as we've ever seen him. And that this was... Kyle Shanahan's wet dream to to coach and scheme up plays for Christian McCaffrey. And, I mean, we're seeing it unfold in front of our very eyes. But I guess the thing I saw at camp, I mean, well, I guess let's let it out of the bag, is, you know, Debo is just such an exciting player with the ball in his hands. But at camp, I did notice Purdy really had a connection with Ayuk, who looked like the best pure receiver and looked really good at camp. And to the point where it was hard to distinguish – I mean, uh, you, if you guys listen to the XM show or our podcast, recapping training camp uh, visits back in August, I mean, what we what I said was, "Hey, we want Debo's looks very good, and we like this. You know, we don't want to get blanked on him, but we want below average exposure versus ADP on Debo. But on IUK, we want at least a little bit above average exposure from based on what we'd seen at his." ADP, and really what's unfolding in front of our eyes is, like, in the pure passing game, Brandon Ayuk is Brock Purdy's number one, and I don't even think it's a question if you just watch the games. And then even George Kittle, who's so good uh, all around, and I I know that Shanahan likes to utilize him as a blocker and that their scheme, much like Mike McDaniel and... Miami. It's just gonna be some big weeks and some down weeks. It's just not a real tight end heavy scheme at all times in the passing game because they they um love those players as blockers, but George Kittle's an amazing receiver as a tight end, right? And even hit like he's he is clearly behind uh uh Brandon Ayuk as a as an actual receiver or pass catcher. So where I'm going with this is Debo Samuel is, is not a player where like I don't know what his ceiling is. I don't, it's not I'm not thrilled about it. I don't what I'm saying is I I think McCaffrey's the number one. In a lot of ways, you could start to call Ayuk the number two. I mean, he's the number one of the receivers, and then you kind of have Debo and Kittle behind that, right? So let's see, Debo Samuel here is Uh, 0.6 points in week four. Like we said, three rushing attempts for six yards. He was limited in Wednesday's practice with ribs and knee. So he played through the injuries in week four. So he's kind of a decoy, I guess. And then previous to that, he had nice week two, nice week three. He had touchdowns and nice target volume. But again, those were when Ayuk was out or limited and in week one, not so much. So the fact is, it's a good team, a good offense. Debo Samuel's is a very good player. We're not going to come on here and say that like he's not going to be any good. He's just not going to be consistently good. And he's not as high in the pecking order as you'd like. Because when he was at his best, he was their best running back. He was the best player out of the backfield. Well, that's not the case with McCaffrey. And also, there was a time where he was the best pure wide receiver on the team. That's not really the case with Ayuk either. Um, So he's not a perfect fantasy prospect, but I think that's all baked in at this point. And what I'm saying is I think his managers are nervous and thinking that they made a bad pick with Debo Samuel, especially coming off this just absolutely – horrendous just fantasy performance that must sting so bad for his managers in week four. And where I'm going with that is all a very long winded way of saying that I think Diabo Samuel is actually a guy that if you're interested, you could go trade for him. But again, this is not, well, this is why he's not one of our top targets, like some, like a Chris Olave, like we started out the episode with, because it's not a perfect situation. You don't want to go crazy with it, but I think there's a reasonable deal to be had on Debo Samuel. So if that just happens to be the guy that like a trade partner in your league has on his roster and you're looking to fill wide receiver or flex or something like Debo is a perfectly interesting guy to pursue in a trade deal if you get the right price. Amari Cooper, we said it, the Browns going on a bye week, so that Really, last week would have been... The problem is we didn't get the Deshaun Watson news until right before game time, so nobody knew. But certainly that was... I mean, his owners... Cooper owners have already had to absorb that, so I'm not sure how much that weighs in the actual negotiations, but surely it's affected their attitude. They feel like they just got kind of screwed this last week, and now Amari Cooper is on... Buy this week, and I think people just generally like aren't super sold about the Browns and Deshaun Watson. Yeah, it was two point one fantasy points in half point PPR in week four for Amari, and now head into the buy. So to me, that creates a, like a legitimate buy opportunity. And what we'll say is, you know, target volume was about eight targets per game leading up to this. I think that's nice. And we said from camp, like, pretty clearly he was going to get a lot of targets from Deshaun Watson. I like what I've seen. Week two and three were good, albeit versus very nice matchups against Pittsburgh and Tennessee. And we know Cooper is very much a boom-bust, the kind of matchup-based kind of player, but still still looks very good and I think is a very nice fantasy asset. Like, if if Amari Cooper is a flex or your wide receiver three or even wide receiver two, Uh, you're feeling quite nice. So if that's a player that there's an opportunity to make a move on uh, this week in your league, if you've identified that you need like a wide receiver or a flex type player, then he would be a perfectly suitable target. We mentioned Chris Olave with the Saints. To a lesser extent, I think you can look at his teammate, Michael Thomas, who's been good, just not great. Target volume has been decent. Seems like eventually there's going to have to be a breakout. And clearly he is number two behind Olave. But kind of the numbers under the production are good for Michael Thomas. Uh, I think he's a perfectly, especially in competitive leagues, a perfectly suitable player to look um, at adding maybe like as, you know, a flex. A flex or like a wide receiver three. Michael Pittman of the Indianapolis Colts. A guy I've, we've liked, but a guy I was not thrilled on going into the season. As much as I like, like Anthony Richardson, I mean, I went to his pro day at University of Florida uh, back in, it was like the last day of March. And it's a kid we absolutely love, but, and they've proved me a little bit wrong. I mean, they've been a surprisingly proficient offense, and he's been a pretty good, I love watching, I love seeing what's going on with Anthony Richardson and the Colts. I still have my reservations about how in year one of that whole deal, you know, how much prowess there can be in the passing game. So that's where my hesitation's been with Michael Pittman all offseason. Um, but to be fair, like, he's getting a lot of targets right now. I mean, we don't let's see Michael Pittman here. Let's go to the touchdown uh, dependency tool at rosterwatch.com. Like, this is what turned me on to him when I was preparing for the show. Almost 10 targets a game for Michael Pittman. I mean, that's in an offense and a team that looks better than I thought. So I don't think he's a league winner. But Michael Pittman, I would say, is a guy to have a look at if you're looking for a wide receiver. Also, you're seeing a lot of people float the name Zay Flowers out there on the trade market this week. You guys know we marched the beat of our own drum at rosterwatch.com. I don't – it's like – Alex will tell you about how the famous Greek musician, Yanni, he can't listen to other – artist music because he doesn't want it to infiltrate and ruin his beautiful mind and that's how i feel about my beautiful fantasy mind i i my colleagues here roster watch will tell you that i i don't let the outside noise i don't get down in the echo chambers of the industry and it's nice it gives us a good balance uh here at roster watch um but I have seen a lot of people tossing around Zay Flowers this week who, of course, again, I was at the Shrine Bowl. Like we told you, he's the crown jewel from the Shrine Bowl back in January. The Shrine Bowl, which occurs before even the Senior Bowl, it's the very first all-star college game of the NFL draft season. And like we told you, he might be a first-round pick. And everything we've seen in terms of what we saw to Zay Flowers that week, he's awesome. He can get open. He's a good, good player. Um, he's flashed some big potential. I can see why people are wanting to maybe buy in on him right now. I think my hesitation or apprehension just still comes from what's the overall upside uh, in that Ravens uh, offense, like from a passing perspective. And so that's all I would say. That's why he maybe doesn't, Zay Flowers, maybe not a priority trade target for me, but certainly I can see, you know, after three kind of single digit fantasy games. I can see why people are kind of thinking, oh well, maybe this is a young guy to buy in low on. Um I you know, I think this is a lower priority deal, but a, a name worth mentioning. All right, folks, as we continue on to wrap up the buy side of the week 5 fantasy football trade market right here on the rosterwatch.com uh, uh, tradecast. I'd remind you that every week of the season we give we Give away free NFL picks versus the spread at rosterwatch.com. And uh, if you like those and you want all of our picks versus the spread on the season, you can get those uh, for a really, really friendly price uh, with the Rosterwatch Premium subscription. It gives you everything uh, that Rosterwatch Pro, all the fantasy tools, but then you get a whole suite of uh, advanced sports betting and fantasy tools uh, beyond that. And most importantly, you get All the NFL picks versus the spread every week of the season um, from uh, that is Roster Watch Premium. And you guys will see that our algorithm, uh, we compete uh, with these NFL picks in the uh, Circa Sports Million Dollar Contest every single year. We track the results. And I mean, these picks are running hot at almost 60%, which means you will be making money if you Sign up for Rosterwatch Premium right now at rosterwatch.com. All right, folks, we'll move along here on the buy side and wrap things up here until we get to our top sell targets of the Week 5 Fantasy Football Trade Market. On the buy side, I do think it's all things Bengals. If you're looking for a little bit of a lower priority uh, running back target, that's still like a prominent name, Joe Mixon. I manage Joe Mixon in a league. I mean, he's not an untouchable. You're not exactly sure what to think. What you do know is in past years when you felt like that, he eventually breaks out. And with the volume he's getting now, you would think he's going to, especially in the past game. But, you know, Joe Mixon, a guy that just, he doesn't look super dynamic. He's kind of from that 2017 class, which obviously McCaffrey, Aaron Jones still looking good. But a lot of the guys from that era are already kind of dying off. Um, They're definitely past their running back primes. And, um, you know, you got to think we'll be there sooner than later with Mixon. That said, I think he's a volume hog on a team that should get better on an offense that should get better. And I think Joe Mixon can't be stolen right now, but can be had and could probably be had fairly reasonable. I'd say he's a wise individual for you to examine if you need a running back in your fantasy football league. Brees Hall of the New York Jets. Another guy I see somewhat popular out there on the interwebs this week, and I think rightfully so. Like People are picking up on probably some of the same indicators I, I did. I think mostly people watch the game and just realize Brees Hall realized two things in the game against the Chiefs. Brees Hall just, he looks awesome. He looks like he has the chance to be awesome, which we know last year he was incredible when he was healthy. You can see the flashes, so people are getting lathered up about that, and then I think people saw that, wait a second, maybe this Jets team can be a little bit competitive. That's the other fear, that this is just going to be a horrible team and they can't score points. And you really don't want to have any part of it from a fantasy perspective. I'd say there's been some life breathed into those things for Brees Hall in this recent performance. And, I mean... You certainly can't sell high on him because he doesn't have any value. So that he is a he's a buy, potential buy, a fun. He's an experimental buy. Brees Hall is. He's in a three-way timeshare at running back position. He does lead the snap counts for the Jets. He clearly looks like the best player. Six point six yards per carry. Only two point five targets per game. You'd like to see that tick up, but it's it's also like not a number to sneeze at. That's not horrible. He does have a week seven buy. But then from week 8 through week 16, Brees Hall has an awesome schedule. And he should, in theory, get healthier as the season goes on. So again, I think we have a window here on Brees Hall like a couple of these other guys we've talked about. Um, But you need to trade for him before that bye week. Or at least before that bye week expires. So we got week 5 now. You need to trade for Brees Hall at like bye week 7. So this week, next week, in the next two weeks... If you want to add Brees Hall, and he's a guy like you don't have to probably go spend a whole lot to get for him. And, uh, you know, let's just see what happens. He could really provide a boost to your roster down the stretch. Or, guys, sometimes we talk about the uh, liquidation trade. So, you know, pretty soon if you're a losing team, you've got to start to figure out why. And then you've got to trade with a purpose to correct that. And most of the time it's because you're not fielding a Competitive starting lineup from top to bottom, and what does that mean? Is you need a couple of guys. You got to be more competitive. You need a couple of dudes, hopefully guys you can buy low on, that have upside to stick in your lineup. So sometimes you got to like swallow the medicine, and go trade one of your good players, hopefully one that you think you're selling high on, hopefully one we think has an inflated value right here on the rosterwatch.com tradecast, and go trade them for two of our buy targets, buy lower targets, and get. Two dudes that you can plug in there. So pretend you're a losing team, and maybe you need to go trade one of your better players to get two good players in return because that way you can field a better starting lineup, a more competitive starting lineup top to bottom. Well, like, maybe Brees Hall is one of those players you bring back. Like, maybe he's your new flex. And that's not somebody you have to get a lot a lot up for. You give up way one decent player, and you can get maybe, like, Brees Hall and somebody else in return. Like We'll talk about that. I'm going to get to Alexander Madison in a minute as one of our top sell targets. I don't hate the idea of selling Alexander Madison for Brees Hall and another player in return if I'm looking to liquidate. Javante Williams. I think you're going to have to look, but it looks like he could be out this week or he's got a little something injury going on. And on top of that, he's just been bad for fantasy. And his owners are extraordinarily disappointed. Devontae Williams, obviously a player. Everybody is pretty hung up on his talent as an NFL draft prospect. We still think he should be good. We still think he should be getting healthier. We think this Broncos offense looks better this year. So, like, a lot of that stuff, when you do the mental math, feels like it should add up for some kind of Devontae Williams renaissance. I mean, maybe it doesn't happen ever. Maybe it doesn't happen until later in the season. Certainly, it's not happening right now. But if he's a guy you have a hunch on, like, I think you can get Javante Williams for peanuts right now. If you're liquidating and you need two guys, maybe you're liquidating one of your running backs. Maybe you have one guy you need to get, Brees Hall and Javante Williams back. Like, that's a pretty interesting, that's creative. It's creative, you know. As long as you have a purpose and some rationale behind this, like, you're in a good spot. Jameer Gibbs, Detroit Lions. His, his managers have to be beyond frustrated. I think he's a buy target right now. He's seven, eight points a game. He looks explosive, but I also look to me like a guy that doesn't have much juice on contact, which wouldn't really totally surprise me based on his NFL draft profile. Um, and Montgomery looks awesome, and they're going to give Montgomery the ball a lot. It's a good offense. I think there's enough to go around you would think Gibbs eventually is going to get more work and have some breakout games, just given his talent and given the situation there, it's not a guarantee. So you don't need to go chase down Jameer Gibbs, but if like, if you can get a deal on him, or again, if you're liquidating and you need two players in return and Gibbs is one of the guys you're getting back. I like this Lions team. They're good. And they want to run the ball. They want to play defense. They like to score points. They're getting Jamison Williams back now, which obviously another mouth to feed, but, just creates more scoring opportunities, uh, more opportunities for that for everybody. Really, for them to become a prolific offense. So Gibbs, not a must buy, but a guy I think can be had. That just a month ago was the darling of the fantasy community. Miles Sanders of the Panthers. We've talked about him. We're not over the moon about this one, but just given the volume and the talent, he's a guy you have to consider if he. You know, if he's available in your league and he just happens to come to the surface, in one of the deals that you're looking at, like he's he's a guy that we can consider uh, on the running on the running back side of the buy side of the week five fantasy football trade market. And then last but not least, Ramondre Stevenson, you guys are going to need to decide what to do with him. I mean, I think clearly, you may not want him at all, but if you do want him, like this would be the time to try to. Go after him, and it, it doesn't sound sexy, it might, but it might not work out, but I mean, the volume is decent on the season, but he's back-to-back five, six-point games here, and he hasn't had one big blowout game quite yet. It looks like a nice schedule from week six to week 10, then a bye, and then a beautiful schedule from week 12 to week 16. Ramondre Stevenson actually has a very overall very strong fantasy schedule the rest of the season. He doesn't have a buy until week 11. Uh, I think you got to just clear this matchup that's tough on paper against New Orleans this week. So we're going to have a two week buy window on Ramondre Stevenson. If you can't get it done this week, you might be able to get it even done cheaper next week. Not a player that we're thrilled about going after, but I think on paper, like there's actually just logically a lot that we should. Consider there, and he, you know, again, this is just more options in your league, and he's probably a plausible option in many, many leagues at this point. All right, folks, we're going to keep moving along here on the week five edition of the rosterwatch.com trade cast. Again, I'm Byron Lambert, and uh, we're going to move on to the sell side of the fantasy football uh, trade market this week. And we'll do the same thing. Let's give you the top five on the sell side. I think the first thing worth noting is that um, both uh, Devon Achan and Kyron Williams do—they st- do have sell high aspects to their profiles at this point. But I, I, my, my feeling is that we read the tea leaves with those guys and we keep them. Those guys are studs and. Unless you can trade for like a a marquee, top-top-shelf, premium, cream-of-the-crop player, that's the only way we're giving up A-Chan or Kyron Williams at this point. Because I think, realistically, it's going to be hard to upgrade over those guys. And there's still going to be a little doubt surrounding them, so I'm not sure exactly what you can command. But the fact is, I think they're the real deal at this point, and we're in no rush to get... Uh, rid of them, so I it, I think it'd be easy to come on here and say let's sell David Devon Aychen and Kyron Williams. I mean, we talked about it a little last week. <clears throat> With another week's worth of information, I think that uh, uh, we're becoming more convinced that these are those are both players you're more than likely just going to want to hold on to unless it's for a deal for a megastar. Uh, in terms of the top sell targets. We mentioned him, Alexander Madison. I'll just dive right out with it right now. We talked a little bit of him about about it last week, too. Um, but I think he kind of rises towards the top of our players that we'd like to sell on the fantasy football trade market this week. Because if you look at it with Madison, the thing is that, shockingly, and and I'm thinking maybe the people that haven't rostered him haven't paid as close attention to him in the games. If you've watched the games is when you've been so disappointed. If you look at his game log, I mean, three out of the four games in fantasy, he's scored over 10 points. Uh, And he's scored 12 points, 3 points, 15 points, 10 points. So in three of those games, he's averaged about 12 points. He really only had one poor game. I mean, you look at the last two weeks, it was 25 touches in week three, 18 touches in week four. I mean that looks good, but you already see the downward trend, and what we already saw was can makers get involved? He also looked pretty good this last week, so I think he probably did light a little bit of a fire under Madison's behind. But this is probably going to devolve into more of a timeshare in pretty short order. And if you've watched it, it just you don't feel that good about it. So. I just think you've and we we talked about it last week. He said we said worst case, hold him one. Let's hold him against Carolina, which is a great matchup, and see if we could squeak another good game out of him here, and then let's flip him. So now he's got back to back good fantasy games, and he's got three out of four good fantasy games. And on paper, it's a tough matchup against the Chiefs this week, but it's also like the highest game total of the week. And then beyond that, you know, he's got. I'd say a mixed bag. You've got good matchups in week six and week eight, uh, if you're looking a little bit further out. But nonetheless, my instincts just say, and I'm, I'm a Madison manager, and I'm a guy who liked Madison when he's coming out of Boise State, but my instincts say, like, I, this is a guy we're, we're not sold on rest of the season, and if we can move him now for somebody we're more comfortable with, for I, I think we should go ahead and... Do it. I'd recommend that you consider it if you roster Alexander Madison in your league. Khalil Herbert, similar situation in Chicago. Everybody was clamoring about the Roshan Johnson breakout against Denver this last week because they saw what the Dolphins running backs absolutely carve him up in the previous week. Well, it didn't happen for Roshan. What we actually saw, surprisingly, was Khalil Herbert with like his. Biggest snap count dominance of the season. He turned in a pretty nice performance. Um, We certainly don't trust it long-term. We certainly just don't trust anything bears really long-term there. So, you know, Herbert, we told you he'd be a decent fantasy player this year. We don't hate him. Uh, If you draft him, it's not the worst. If you have to roster him, it's not the worst. But I just think you're going to have limited opportunities. I think this is the highest you're going to get to sell on Herbert, the rest of the year. And we're trying to win, and I'm just not sure he's the kind of guy we're going to pull off wins with. So I'd recommend, if you roster Khalil Herbert, like make it a priority this week to see if you could ship him off your roster for a uh, better player in return. Moving on, our top targets of the Week 5 sell side of the fantasy football trade market. None other than Nico Collins of the Houston Texans. I mean, this truly is the story of the... Rising tide lifts all boats, and the tide's name is C.J. Stroud. I mean, Stroud. Obviously, you guys know how much we loved C.J. Stroud coming out. Just a just a tremendous passer, really, and just command on the football field. Really blew us away when we saw him at the end of the college football season last year, and um I mean it's been a seamless transition right into the NFL I don't know it's amazing he's right up there with Cam Newton and Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning and these guys in terms of how prolific he's been out of the gate as a rookie and the difference with him is he's had like way less interceptions way less mistakes so impressive what we're seeing out of Stroud I think he's one of the guys that could continue it and I think the Texans are a sneaky like kind of tougher team and competent team than people want to give them credit for but it is also a rookie situation. It is also the Texans. I think we have to have a sober view of that. And it is also Nico Collins who, I mean, we've got pretty sizable amount of information on Nico Collins at this juncture. Um, what is this year? Three, I think of his career. I mean, granted at the wide receiver position, you can still have some developmental growth uh, there and he hasn't had a great Certainly hasn't had great quarterback uh, play in recent years. So I suppose it's possible for him to still turn over a New Leaf as a player. It's a really interesting story with Nico Collins. I mean, you guys might remember this. Alex and I saw him at the Senior Bowl, and I was impressed with Nico Collins all week. And just big guy that could really high point, make the tough high point catches. And also get kind of vertical, surprisingly, as big as he was. And and, and red zone threat on top of that. And uh, but also like a yards per catch guy, like the guy could get downfield on the sideline. And Alex told me, he said, Man, that guy's a slug, he's gonna run four six or something like this. I said, dude, I said, if Nico Collins rubs runs sub four five or sub four five five, like watch out. That's gonna make a splash and he needs to be on the radar. And then he went and ran four four five. I, I think it was a home cook's pro day. So maybe more like a four or five if that was a real combine time, but Collins can run, big big guy that can run, high point. Um, so you know the talents there are just wide receiver seven in points per game on the season and half point PPR just seems absolutely bananas for Nico Collins to the point where, like, we could twist ourselves into a pretzel trying to rationalize how how that is and how that's going to continue, but. There's just something in your mind that says that's that's not a plausible, that's not a tenable situation. Nico Collins is a wide receiver one in fantasy, Actually, especially guys like Tank Dell, etc. cetera, we like. We've got a rookie quarterback, all this stuff. So Nico Collins coming off of 33 fantasy points in week four, 168 yards and two touchdowns. He's topped 125, 145 yards receiving twice this season. 19.5 yards per catch. Like we said, he has he has vertical chops, uh, which has really surprised some people. I mean, when you see these esoteric stats today on Twitter, like from our good friend Scott Barrett. I mean, really, this is just another way to drill down even more on kind of like yards per catch. But yards per route run. I mean, he's up there with Tyreek Hill and A.J. Brown, which is just a nutty statistic for uh, Nico Collins. Three out of his four games have been very good. Um, he had ele- three of those games. He's had eleven points, twenty-five points, and thirty-three points in half-point PPR. Eight targets per game. Not a monster, but very solid. Uh, kind of wide receiver two-ish, I guess you could say. Volume, and he's not touchdown dependent either. He's actually like touchdown healthy. He's got he's he's scoring right at the clip that we feel is very very sustainable. Um, So, yeah, it was a monster week two and a monster week four for Nico Collins, and he kind of sandwiched Tank Dell, who had the monster week three. So where I'm going with this is what a pleasant surprise C.J. Stroud is. The trash man called the Tank Dell breakout as a rookie from Texas camp and from the Senior Bowl this year. Uh, Nobody expected this from Nico Collins, nor should they ever have and it's a pleasant surprise i think maybe we're seeing the real breakout maybe like Houston is pretty competent but just reality sets in you say there's no way that there's just no way at the end of the season we can remotely remain this pace and if it does happen then so be it that's like getting struck like light by lightning so what we want to do is we want to be on the right side of this we want to leverage this so if um i uh, I guess you could even call it kind of like you're selling short on Nico Collins. Like we just don't think he can maintain his value is going to come down. Right. So let's flip him while we can for a big name player. I think you can get that done. This was a tough one because I wanted to talk about DJ Moore. We'll get back to him in a second. I just couldn't because he's actually been really good. But so if my other for on the sell side of things, we've talked about Alexander Madison, Khalil Herbert and Nico Collins as our top three Uh players, priority players to sell on the fantasy football trade market this week. The other two that made the cut are Cortland Sutton and Drake London, two guys who just are really reliant on touchdowns. And it's kind of different reasons why what's going on is going on, but kind of these two big body guys. I mean, London moves better than Sutton does at this point. Sutton looks like a damn tight end almost out there but two gigantic body guys that are really you really can't count on them for the yards and the receptions so they're living on touchdowns and they're not on good teams (laughs) i mean london i think you can make the argument that if desmond ritter gets benched then if tyler henneke comes in there could be an uptick there i'd love to see it But, I mean, can we really bank on that? And is that that even becoming – what are we even talking about when we listen to ourselves say that? And then Cortland Sutton, it's like the problem with him – I mean, that offense has been better, but it's still got question marks. And the problem with him is that it's – you know, you're seeing Judy and Mims and these guys get involved now, and there's just not enough – when Judy was out, there was a little more target volume for Sutton. We liked that. But I think you're just – you're living on credit with Cortland Sutton and Drake London – And uh, I'd rather go ahead and pay those bills off this week in week five of the fantasy football uh, season by trading off Cortland Sutton and Drake London for better players that we find more reliable in return. All right, folks, before we get on to maybe some mock examples of some trades we could try to construct this week based around some of the players we've discussed, I'm going to turbo through here some other guys that I think could be sell targets on the trade market this week. DJ Moore, you're going to have to make of it what you want. I mean, not a guy I historically like at all. I think he's an underwhelming fantasy player that is more often than not just disappointed and failed to live up to expectations. And that's the feeling I had from afar this season. You know, I knew he had the breakout in week four, but kind of despite that, I thought it's been a bad season for Moore. I'm researching and putting this podcast together, and I'm sitting here going, man, I'm going to have to, I'm kind of like changing my mind on DJ Moore as I'm. Going through all this, so I have very mixed feelings about this because had I not, had had this been what I thought it was going to be, DJ Moore would have been right up there with Nico Collins as our top sell target of the week. Um, But DJ Moore has an incredible schedule the rest of the season, incredible fantasy schedule. He's got three solid games in a row uh, from a fantasy perspective that he's just um, uh, put the statistics uh, down on. Best game of the season in week four, nine targets, 131 yards, and a touchdown. And he's playing like a 95% snap count. He's a very high snap percentage guy. So the truth is, when you look at D.J. Moore's profile, there's a lot of stuff that you would say, like, these are indicators. This dude is good. So I'm not going to sell him. You know, I I, I, I still just... There's something inside of me that says let's tread a little lightly there. Like let's not let's not drink the Kool Aid all the way out on DJ Moore. And if we're not totally sure, and we can ship him off for like an elite player, which I think you can with his name and his recent production, like I just think it would be uh, the smart thing to do. I mean, certainly he's not a guy that we're going out to trade for. I mean, his value's through the ceiling right now, and as you can tell, he's not a guy that we a thousand percent trust, but. I think DJ Moore is either a keep and he's turned out to be got a good profile, and you're feeling good, uh, and it's been what a surprise! Nice surprise has been, or credit to those that were bullish on him preseason. Um, or this is a like the ultimate sell high moment on DJ Moore, which is really the side of things I tend to live on. I just think you can just eliminate the concerns around that situation in Chicago. Brandon Ayuk. I mean, you heard me earlier. I mean, we don't want to talk too much about selling Brandon Ayuk because he's the real deal, and I really do think he's Brock Purdy's favorite target in the past game. I saw it at training camp, and it, the fact has been very evident in the games that Ayuk's been healthy on the season. That, that that said, the counter argument is Brandon Ayuk's targets per game are leave a lot to be desired. Let's see here. Brandon, Ayuk is only, geez, 6.67 targets per game. Yet, Ayuk is in half-point PPR. And that, granted, we'll go points per game here because... uh, He's missed a little bit of time, but Brandon Ayuk 17.5 po- points per game and half-point PR points per game. He's a number eight fantasy wide receiver, number eight on this season, above A.J. Brown, above Amon Ross St. Brown, above Devontae Smith and C.D. Lamb, way above that Debo Samuel. I mean, he's right in here with Nico Collins and Devontae Adams. It's just crazy. I mean, we know that these, these statistical standings are going to change a whole lot by the end of the season, and some of this will just – Seem like folly in retrospect. But what I'm saying is Ayuk has been awesome. His value is very, very high. I do think he's the number one in the passing game there. But ultimately, I think he's still number two to Christian McCaffrey. And in the end, there is still Debo and Kittle. So you got to argue there's four guys there. And as good as Purdy looks, it's not the highest volume passing offense. So... There is an argument to be made that, you know, obviously, Brandon, I am not a must-sell. You feel like you hit the gold mine if you drafted him. But he is a guy, if it's for a super elite player, there are little aspects to his profile you could argue definitely land on the sell-high side of things, and I don't think you could sell any higher than, I, you, than uh, you could right now. Christian Kirk and Calvin Ridley, Cody, Carpentier, um, you guys hear him over at rosterwatch.com every week of the season now. He says Christian Kirk is the alpha in Jacksonville, which is interesting because I was looking at Calvin Ridley, who pretty much saved his bacon with a touchdown this last week, but otherwise otherwise pretty underwhelming for Calvin Ridley last week and really on the season overall, other than I believe it was. I never want to come on here and lie to you guys, so let's just double check. But Calvin Ridley... Might as well just do the comparison. We're right here on the podcast. Let's just get down in the weeds of this thing. Calvin Ridley, a 21-pointer in Week 1, a bogus Week 2 and 3. Restored his value in Week 4, but with a touchdown. Only 38 yards on, only two receptions. Guys, Calvin Ridley is only averaging uh, 2.3 receptions a game over the last three weeks. So he's probably at like... What is Ridley? He's probably like six receptions a game on the season. Let's see. Let's see how he is. Calvin Ridley seven targets per game on the season. So, and only fifteen receptions. So he's got a terrible ratio of receptions to targets. You wonder if that's about getting in rhythm in the offense and shaking the rust off and new quarterback, new system, all this. Um, kind of stuff. Uh, let's see. Let's let's see what Christian Kirk has been up to. So what I'm saying is, Calvin Ridley's a guy. If you look at his profile, you probably want to sell high on him. Coming off of this, artific- kind of this artificially propped up fantasy score in week four with the touchdown. Christian Kirk is the 8.75 targets uh, per game. Let's see what his Game log has looked like now we're talking about it. Christian Kirk is three out of four good games, three back to back to back good games, up and down targets two in week one and week three, is lower target shares, but week two and week four, big time target shares. So it does appear from a target perspective that this is uh Christian Kirk is is the lead dog. So I think this does mean you might want to sell Calvin Ridley if you can. and But truly, I, I mean, depending on what I could get for him, I could also be interested in selling Christian Kirk. And this actually reminds me that I'm remiss because I realized we didn't talk about him. I know I had jotted him down, but we're talking about the Jaguars. Guys, i got to put it in reverse here a little bit. And, uh... I would be so disappointed if we didn't talk about Travis Etienne. Travis Etienne, who's been good every other week of the season, but still hasn't totally blown the top off. Um, We are interested in actually, sorry, we're digressing a little bit here, but we're actually interested in trading for Travis Etienne. And I'd say he might not have made our top five trade targets, but he's right there on the cusp. And the reason why, I'm glad that we started talking about these Jaguars is let's go to ETN. Travis ETN is twenty, almost twenty-one touches per game, and four targets per game. I mean that's an absolute profile. That's a mouth-watering profile. Only three point eight yards per carry, so a little bit inefficient. Not a lot of action in the end zone yet, but Travis ETN. Another player that I think we should be highly interested in going after uh, this week on the trade market. So sorry to digress, but glad we started talking Jaguars and caught that one. Let's move on. We got a turbo through here Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson. I think you got to decide what you want to do with these commanders wide receivers. Uh, It looks like McLaurin is in the driver's seat uh, and Dotson is. Probably not going to live up to preseason expectations. That said, I think they're you're capable of potentially selling high on either or both of them uh, this week. I'm not sure you're thrilled about, you know, those are guys like McLaurin. You don't mind having him, but if you can upgrade him, you'd like to. Clearly, Dotson, if you can upgrade him, you'd like to. Adam Thielen having himself a season so far in Carolina. I mean, it, I guess it makes sense. I mean, they, he's the s- s- security blanket. Uh, for Bryce Young, but, I mean, how much of that can you be want to be invested in? And I just think, well, Adam Thielen's on a roll. Shouldn't you try to capitalize by trading him away in your fantasy football uh, trade market? out. Uh, Atwell, I don't think you're going to get much for him, but on the flip side of chasing down Cooper Cup, I mean, do you start to think to sell about Puka. Start to think about selling Puka. Uh, I think he's the real deal. I think it's going to affect Cooper Cup. Actually, this might mean that the Rams are going to be like pretty good on offense if both of those guys can be firing like that. I mean, we have see Tutu also has been you know nice. The Rams, one of these teams that surprised me. They're surprising me. Uh, so ultimately, I, I don't think you're going to uh, people who roster Puka are not probably not going to get for him what they want because people know Cooper Cup's coming back. But I guess what I'm saying is is that he's probably a hold, but I could see a, a situation where I'm motivated or willing to part with Puka at this point, knowing that Cooper Cub is coming back. You know, again, a lot of that's going to be depend on what your league mates feel around that situation. I could see that going either way. Uh, DK Metcalf, um, he's been actually solid. He's been – this is another one. I didn't think he'd been any good on this season. I look back and I'm like, well, for fantasy, he's actually like the bottom line. Fantasy production has been solid for DK Metcalf, above average. He's on a buy this week, and I hate his volume, target volume. So, look, you're not going to want to sell him this week on the buy, and we're not trying to purchase him. So, I think this – DK Metcalf is more like, I think, a watch and see – Over the next week or two, you're going to decide what you want to do with DK Metcalf. And if I manage DK Metcalf, and it looks like things are pretty much staying the same, I am trading him. Or if I'm already convinced they're staying the same, I am trading him now or next week. I just think the volume, the target share is too low uh, for DK Metcalf. And you, you should... Uh, capitalize on him you know, while you can. I don't think he's going to be as consistent as he has been as the season progresses, and I think you'll be disappointed that you didn't try to use D.K. Metcalf to improve your team on the fantasy football trade market. Guys, Romeo Dubs, he's been the absolute real deal in Green Bay, but I, and obviously you all know how much I love Jordan Love, but we're seeing Christian Watson back now. Think we're gonna see Luke Musgrave get back into it. Uh, Jaden Reed is also a solid player. I think what you got to decide is Can Romeo Dubs continue at this clip, and if not, I think like he's a guy that you can live with, certainly live with, packaging up and shipping off uh, for a premier player in return. And then last but not least, running back Zach Moss. I think with Jonathan Taylor's return somewhat sounding in, imminent, you uh, may or may not be able to get anything for Zach Moss. But I think he's a guy you can consider throwing into a deal and like parting ways with at this point. I'm not sure how much run you're going to get out of him moving forward in your fantasy league. And then Isaiah Pacheco of the Chiefs, a guy we talked about at length last week. Like the allure with him is that could he could the Chiefs finally have a workhorse running back? And to me uh, last week was like the writing was on the wall. We just need to assume the answer to that's going to be no and he'd had a pretty good week and let's sell high on him and try to move on. But you know, Pacheco now he kind of reopened if you didn't move him last week, the discussion has now reopened on the heels of 23 touches. You know, after a 17-touch week before that. So his his touches have weak, increased every week. Maybe we were wrong. Maybe Pacheco can become the war. We're not sure. I think he's probably a hold. Uh, if you're not sure, you could either sell high on Pacheco right now, coming off of a 24-point game, best game of the season, big volume, to, to back these averaging, you know, almost 20 points a game the last two weeks. I think he's a very marketable player on a Chiefs team. So my options are at this point is I'm inclined to consider shopping Isaiah Pacheco this week just to see. And if I can trade him for somebody I'm just more comfortable with longer term, I'd go ahead and do it now. Otherwise, like, let's wait and see this for another week or so. And let's see if this does this devolve to a thing where it's going to be hit or miss. And then we wait for his next big game and then we try again to trade him after that. Or do we? Maybe we wake up and say, you know what? This this is a trend. This is the real deal. He is going to be, you know, at least a pseudo bell cow rest of the season for the Chiefs, and you know, therefore, we're going to go ahead and keep him. These are the things that need to be running through your mind this week on your fantasy football trade market in week five. And last but not least, tight ends, hard position to solve. A lot of underwhelming performance uh, from prominent players this year. God, you wish you picked up Sam Laporta right out of the gate, rookie for the Lions. He's been a real boon. Uh, Looks like a real problem solver for managers, fantasy managers uh, nationwide if they were able to scoop him up. But if you were not, the good news is I think big-name players like George Kittle, Dallas Goddard, Darren Waller, and T.J. Hawkinson, all big-name tight ends that have real upside and I think are all like the set-it-and-forget-it types that, you know, will they return the value you hope for at the end of the season? I'm not sure, but I think they're the guys you just put them in every week, you relinquish the headache, and then they're going to have their big games, and the, probably in the end you'll be fairly happy with it. I do think this is your opportunity this week in Week 5 to solve your tight end woes because we have a lot of supply at the tight end position on the Week 5 Fantasy Football Trade Market right here on the RosterWatch.com TradeCast with guys like George Kittle, Dallas Goddard, Darren Waller, and TJ Hawkinson. All right, folks, before we jog out of here, let's try to cook up a couple of examples for you guys. Maybe if we wanted to go after a player. um, Let's say we wanted to go after Chris Olave. Could we take... You know, Khalil Herbert and Cortland Sutton, and go after Chris Olave. Or can we take Drake London and uh, uh, Terry McLaurin? I mean, there's there's any of these combinations we've talked about. Uh, can we take uh, uh, Adam Thielen and Terry McLaurin? Something like this. You know, these are the kind of things you need to. Make. Can you take DK Metcalf and? You know, Zach Moss, and can you go get somebody like a Chris Olave? I think that you should try. Same thing for Jalen Waddell, Aaron Jones. I think you guys could, it would be something along those lines for Aaron Jones, it would be kind of, you know, similar. Can you take Nico Collins and Khalil Herbert and go get uh, Aaron Jones? You know, can you do something along uh, those lines? Um, certainly, I would think you could probably take Madison and Sutton, Madison and London, Madison and Dubs. One of these guys like this. You know, Madison and Thielen. If you think Aaron Jones is an upgrade over Madison, he may or may not be. I think you could you could try um, to do something along those lines. CeeDee Lamb, I think you guys understand to do that. Tony Pollard, like that's the big boy. You're gonna need to put together a big time packet. Can you put Madison and Herbert together? Can you put Madison and Collins together? Can you put Madison and Ridley together? Can you put Herbert and London together? I mean, I don't think that'll get it done. Can you put Metcalf and London together? Can you put Metcalf and Madison together and go get Tony Pollard? You, would, it'd be, you will be so thankful if you do, which is why you should absolutely give it a try. Um, Travis Etienne, I think this is the kind of guy you can maybe... Maybe even more of a ripe guy, you know. Can you take Khalil Herbert and Drake London and get Travis Etienne if you would, if you could? I would do it in a uh, in a New York minute. So those are some examples there of uh, trades that you know we would attempt to construct uh, using some of the prominent players in this week's trade cast. Of course, if we were going to do, uh, we were talking consolidation trades there, where we're taking two players, packaging them together shipping them off for a more prominent player, liberating a waiver a roster spot that we can go cultivate more waiver wire talent through. But if we're a losing team and we need to work in reverse here, replenish our starting lineup with multiple good players we think we're buying low on, maybe that's our opportunity to sell you know, Alexander Madison and get uh, Brees Hall and uh, T. Higgins. Uh, with the, I don't know. I don't doubt you can get that, maybe, but like maybe you can get Breesaw and Amari Cooper, Breesaw and Michael Thomas, like T. Higgins and Javante Williams. That would be amazing if you could get a package like that. If you needed two players in return, what a boon! Even at this stage of the season, if you don't need two players in return, we could all use some bench depth to navigate the attrition of the buys. And the injuries, I still don't hate that. Like, the idea right now, I'm sitting here thinking right here on the show, like, I managed Alexander Madison. If I could go trade him for some kind of Miles Sanders or Brees Hall or Javante Williams or Jameer Gibbs or maybe Ramondre Stevenson, there's some other guys in here, like a Michael Thomas or a Pittman or a Cooper or a Higgins, like, some kind of configuration there start to get me pretty interested myself in liquidating a player like Alexander Madison this week. All right, folks, I hope everybody is doing well and having a great fantasy football season uh, this far. We appreciate all your support at rosterwatch.com. And, of course, um, for all the folks on the Rosterwatch team, I'm Byron Lambert. I thank you very much uh, for joining me for this week five edition of the rosterwatch.com tradecast until next time, folks, this is Roster Watch.